this is a follow-up podcast. This is part two <laughs> of a podcast we part did in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later. Hey, better late than never is what I always say. But I was I actually listening to this podcast today. Me and you did this for those that are listening that want to hear part one. It was episode 105. We recorded it Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because we... If you're only tuning in to hear Metallica stuff, you can jump ahead like 50 minutes because we like even listed our favorite Christmas songs. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was kind of bittersweet listening to this podcast because in 2018, we were talking about all these gigs we're fixing to go play. We were talking about like all the concerts we're going to attend that year and the ones we have tickets for already. And, and, and 2019 was our, our biggest year as far as like making money and like everything, too. Yeah. It, it turned out great. And I was like, man, I, I wish I could be those guys. It was, it was me and you, but still, I wish I was us. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was so, you know, that, uh, <clears throat> those commercials that have the, the Captain Obvious guy on them? Those are hilarious. Well, today I just saw a new one, and it's Captain Obvious from 2019, and then the Captain Obvious from the future, oh. which is like 2020. Yeah, yeah. Shows up, and he's like, hey. It's you, you know, you're me. It's like, yeah, I'm from the future. He's like, what's the future like? He's like, it gets a little dramatic. There's no toilet paper. There's no hand sanitizer. There's no sports. There's no concerts. He's like, whoa, whoa, what? (laughs) And I'm like, this is kind of like when me listening to that is the reverse of that. I was like, everything. I wish I could go hang out with those guys. Yeah, yeah. they had a lot going on. (laughs) Everything you love is gone. Like don't don't get upset or nothing, but everything you like doing, you're not going to be able to do for at least a couple years. But you know, it seems like a lot of people predicted that 2022 is going to be where 2019 was as far as normalcy. Yeah, and I'm sort of kind of I can see that now. I follow. Like- I think there'll be a few concerts this year, this summer. But I think in 2020, we'll see, like, a normal schedule of concerts. Yeah, like, I follow, like, all these different people from all over the world on Instagram. Yeah. That are in different, like, entertainment avenues. And everyone's gearing up this summer and are doing things. Like, bands are going ahead booking and and planning out from, like, May on. Well, you know, they're doing a Tupelo Con in July. Yeah. We, we didn't, like... Uh, the official word, or the last official word I heard about the Railroad Festival was that plans for 2021 Railroad Festival are on hold. Right. And I'm using quotes because that basically means, I mean, what is this, February? Yeah. It, it usually happens in April. That means it's canceled till 2022. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they do it at, like, a, you know, an obscure time or whatever. But the last thing I heard is 2021 plans are on hold. And the last I heard about TupeloCon, it was like, it's just not going to happen. I could see the Railroad Festival, like them pushing it to like May, and then it rains. (laughs) Well, a lot of the Railroad Festival depends on when's the carnival available. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. It would seem like the carnival is more available now than ever because there's nothing happening. (laughs) Another thing, like I thought about that, too, uh, the carnival, like, gigs like that it's like what did, what did those guys do all for a year like how many of those guys were just running from event from event event 
of of that was their money and then boom yeah. everything shut down unemployment that's what they were oh yeah i guess yeah but uh what we did on episode 105 and this will be like 153 or two so <laughs> yeah. it didn't seem that long ago no we did a run basically a, a quick recap we did a rundown of like all the metallica albums and it was it was cool because like me and Sean have a different perspective because we we're of different age, and and neither of us started chronologically like in two thousand. I mean, excuse me, in nineteen eighty three when Kill 'Em All came out, I was still a child, so I didn't I didn't jump on the train right when it left the station. I was a little late myself, but you didn't come in till like. I remember, like, you know, like the Black loaded. Album. The Black Album was so big that even, you know, at four, five, six years old, like I knew, like, oh, Metallica. But didn't, you know, it was, all, the, all the songs were on the radio because I was born in 86. And so, Black I was born Album. I 76. Yeah. So, so you're literally 10 years younger than me. So the Black Album came out in 90 or whatever. And then, even, and then from then on, like, my early childhood was like always Metallica on the radio. And I didn't have to research this podcast because I've been researching Metallica my whole life, but I did like look over some stats and stuff. And I, I kind of almost forgot that back then, between like 1970 and 1989, it was very common for bands, like big bands, to release an album almost every year, at least every two years. Yeah, ain't that weird? And then starting in like 1990 till now, and now it's even worse. It's like every three to five years, yeah. If you're lucky, it, it, I mean, I, how, how many Slipknot albums has there been since 1990? When did what year? Just five. Been? See, that's one album every what four years, roughly. Chapter six, six, or six of them. And they started in 1990. What? Uh, well, the first album came out in '99. So '99, 2001, 2004, 2008. 2014 and, and that's not uncommon 2016 or 17 but back then bands would bust and they would do a full world tour and still bust out an album a year yeah because like okay <clears throat> you had kill them all in 83 ride the lightning was in 84 four puppets was 86 yep justice was 88 and then the black album was 90 so a year and a half to two years per album and during that time too you know they're doing non-stop touring building the brand stop and because of how successful though that set them up for them to have time because they didn't put nothing out until 95 or 96 96 was load <clears throat> so we got through on the last podcast justice for all and then we got to the black album and we were like all right we need to stop there because that's gonna be a big conversation yeah so i wanted to give you my perspective from the black album and then get yours because it'll be interesting that we're 10 years apart right yeah that's like two different points of life yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i was a metalhead from jump street like i you'd be surprised how young i was when i started listening to metal but i grew up in a household where it wasn't acceptable for me to to have those records. But when I got old enough to start going over to my friend's house, 
they would have like master puppets tapes and yeah. ride the lightning and stuff and kill them all. And I'd be like, and shout at the devil, not with the devil. <laughs> yeah. That old chestnut. <laughs> so I would like bring blank tapes over to my friend's house and make copies of them. Uh, so my relationship with Metallica started really early on. I can't pinpoint exactly when I was very familiar with them by the time they released the Metallica one video. Because that was a <clears throat> that was a game changer for me, because they had never released a video up until then, and man, what a video! And I remember watching Headbangers Ball, and they were like, "Hey, you guys write us letters all the time saying why don't you play more Metallica?" They're like, "We have no more Metallica. We'll <laughs> play it. the one Metallica <laughs> video there is, and we'll play it right now." And then they'd play Metallica one. Funny enough, while I was uh, going through all my music gear stuff last night, uh, Kurt Hammett like interview came up and when they released the one video they were told by you know mtv and all that stuff their promotion deal was that they were going to play the one video twice uh every three hours or something crazy like that on mtv yeah on mtv wow that that came at the perfect time because that's when mtv was playing videos and not teenage pregnancy reality (laughs) tv shows or whatever um, so I was very familiar with Metallica. I knew all about Metallica <clears throat> and most of the people in mainstream had heard of Metallica. If you're into, if you're into heavy metal and underground music and heavy metal was very underground at the time and it, it was supposed to be, that was by design and it kind of still is in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was rare that you saw a legit metal band cross over into mainstream. But I was I had been into metal so long and Metallica was like the the head honcho, like the top band of that underground metal scene. It really didn't shock me that much cuz I just knew it was they were boiling over. It was, right. it was bound to happen. Yeah. If they just released a decent album after Justice, and they didn't just release a decent one, they, <laughs> they literally hit, the as James Hetfield said himself, the planets aligned. And it really did. And I love the Black Album through and through. I, I love a lot of things about it. I wasn't surprised that it was that successful. And what I love about it is not only was it a good album, but they released... A couple of songs like uh, Nothing Else Matters and Unforgiven that you could play on the radio. But that's not what they let off with. They let off with Inner Sandman. Yeah. Which is a heavy song. It's a metal song. Right. But it's not It's not too heavy for the mainstream people to go, eh, this is too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it had that hook. That bomb, 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 bomb. And it had that cadence. Yeah. That, that driving, anthematic thing that and the sound. they could tolerate it. Yeah. And the metalheads were like, "Oh, this is some radio bullshit." They were like it was. They were. They could finally turn on the radio and listen to something they like. Yeah. For the first time ever. So the next thing you know, they're playing Inner Sandman over the speakers at every football game, hey, right. live event, basketball games, hockey. And so I remember exactly when it came out. I was really pleased. Where were you in your life, like? when your first recollections of the black album i remember i was still living in nebraska and it was just 
being in the car riding home from school or, or something like that and then i don't know what songs but i knew like oh that's metallica yeah and then it wasn't until probably like 94 95 where it was like i was going through my dad's cds and shit like that and finding metallica even more so it was right before load had come out because i remember watching the the competition thing or not the competition or yeah i guess it was where they had like picked all these like four different fans and metallica had all these like custom 18 wheelers oh yes ever kind of come up to their you know we talked about that in episode 105 oh okay we did. yeah yeah uh that was really cool they had four 18 wheelers with metallica wraps on them and like a, one or two of them had like a, a car yeah yeah them. something something crazy but one of them had metallica in, in it, it. <laughs> so if you're one of the four winners one of those four things is going to show up your house, and one of those four things is going to be the band. Yeah. And they're going to hang out with you. And I vividly remember them playing at whatever the local dive bar was, of yeah. them, you know, playing some songs and like how, how, like just the money in that, like the money it took to, to wrap those 18 wheelers and, and the promo. Yeah, the, the, the promo. They did some cool, cool commercials about that. <laughs> and then that was when people were, everybody's eyes were glued to MTV. Yeah. And they played that commercial on MTV constantly. So I was like, like 10 years old. when that happened, I remember one of the commercials was, there was this typical looking truck driver with a big beard and the long hair and sunglasses. And he's cruising down the highway. And then it, it, it shoots over to Metallica inside the, the trailer and they're beating on the walls. Wow. And he's like shaking his head. He pulls over and he's like, what? And they're like, we got to piss. <laughs> like, I told you to do that before we left. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the promo for right. the, the contest. That's crazy. So like for you, your introduction to Metallica would have been a little bit past the Black Album. And you backed into it, or it was Black Album first. Black Album first, because all those songs played, you know, on the radio nonstop. Yeah, from '90 to to when Load came out in '96. So I knew all those songs, and then when Load came out, then that was like a big deal in the house and in my uh, like my uncles and all that stuff. Yeah, and then you know, reload the next year. Well, and I can't speak for every metalhead in the world, obviously. But as an avid hardcore, like back then, nowadays I'm more open-minded with the music that I listen to. Back then I was like, metal or die. Right. It's like metal, 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 yeah. metal. <laughs> but I didn't mind the shorter songs. I didn't mind that there were a couple of radio songs. Because if you listen to Unforgiven, just watch the Unforgiven video. It was dark. Yeah. Very dark. It wasn't like other radio songs. No. <laughs> it, nothing else matters. Um, yep. Even find that. a pop star that could just play that. Yeah. You know, that's very intricate. It's very different. The emotions that went into that compared to whatever, you know, top 40 crap that was playing then. Right. So even though those songs weren't metal, quote unquote, they still kind of were. They were heavy, you know. And, and there was heavy. The rest of the songs on that album, like I could, I could name all of them, but you already know them. I mean, they're all heavy songs. Like, um, 
Sabbath True. Holy. Yeah, but and Sabbath True is like that perfect kind of heavy because it's like junk, 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 dun, dun, dun. Yeah. That's to drag you across the floor heavy. Yep. Like I'm grabbing you by the back of your head and just dragging <laughs> you across a splintery wooden floor. Then holier than thou is like punching you in the dun, face dun, heavy. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like it's got that classic small punk rock note that Metallica has to to it from Justice All. I mean, uh, Kill 'Em All fame. Yep. So to me, like, and, and I know there's a lot of hardcore metalheads that are like, man, they f***ing sold out. They're on the radio. They played slow songs. I'm like, I've heard sellout stuff in my day. Yeah. But that wasn't it. I think that was a fairly natural progression. And as we transition out of Black Album to Load Reload, that's going to be an interesting conversation because my relationship with those albums, and I'm going to put them both together because they were recorded at the same time. Yep. And I think you would agree because they were recorded at the same time, tonality, uh, they're interchangeable. Like if you took two or three songs off one album and swapped it with the other, you wouldn't really notice. I have like my own thing on Spotify where it's like, it's called the ultimate load. <laughs> The <laughs> and it's like the, my favorite songs from Load and Reload, and it's just one album. Yeah, <laughs> with I mean, the album that I thought it should have been. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious by the titles, Load Reload, by the sound, the tonality. They should have been like a. It's, it's almost like a concept album, like yeah. where Guns and Roses did. Uh, Use Your Illusion one and two, System of a Down did Mesmerize, Hypnotize. Yeah, it's 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 kind of the same thing. Even though they weren't released together, they were, what, a year apart? Yeah, yep. So when I talk about Load Reload, I'm going to kind of put them together. My relationship with those albums has changed drastically over the years. and it, But even Jason Newstead has admitted this in interviews. Like, the Metallica that we saw was the dressed in all black, long-haired, circle headbanging, playing black guitars, pounding it out, jun -jun 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 -jun, you know, just killing it, explosions, fire. And then the, the next thing Full I of piss heard, and vinegar. <laughs> the next thing I heard, the song, it went like this. Where do I take this pain of mine? <laughs> Am I lying? Like the record scratches right there. Like. Like, I'm like, oh, hang on. I, got, I bought the wrong CD. And like on the video, you got James Hitfield like biting deer antlers. Yeah. And Kirk Hammett, they all have short hair. He's wearing eye makeup. Jason's like, playing in Puddin'. I'm like, That's where pudding. did my Metallica go? What did you do with my Metallica? <laughs> Give them back right now. And it was more of a a shock factor, but in a bad way. Yeah. For me. Oh, I bet. As a fan, because I grew up on the classics. Yeah. Master of Puppets and you know, Justice for All is my all time favorite. I just bought the vinyl of Justice for All the other day. And I was fine with the black album, even though some people were screaming sellout. I was like, no, 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 this is good. This is good. Hmm. But then I heard that and I was like, what did you do? <laughs> what are you doing, man? Yeah. And I know at the at the at the time that was my reaction, even though my my opinion of them is different now. What what was your reaction? Because it was a lot different. 
because that was kind of what you yeah that was about that was right in right in line with you know the black album for me because that's all i knew was the black album then i got load i got reload and it was during that time too where they were touring with allison chains a lot so unload and reload there's some like creepy stuff in there that's i think they got i don't want to say steel or whatever but it kind of fit in with with allison chains and some of you know yeah. the the slower things like that and then but then um i heard one on the radio around that time and i was like what is this <laughs> and i went to my dad's cds and i was like you know load reload kill them all and justice for all and i was like oh looky here what do we have here Ooh, a piece of candy <laughs> and that was just that was like oh sh- there's a whole other metallica out there but um well it, it kind of was a whole other metallica the metallica i'm slurring because we went to gemstone earlier had a few cocktails or i did anyway so um it was a whole new metallica and reinventing yourself is not necessarily a bad thing but the way i looked at load and reload at the time not in 2021 but in 19 what'd you say 96 in 96 it would have been like if if i told like if you walked up to kobe bryant and said hey man why don't you try baseball yeah well this is what i'm good at i mean this is what people are buying tickets for is to see me play basketball like yeah but you're talented just do something totally different in the world of sports (laughs) i mean it's this weird equation like you don't want to go way off the beaten path but you don't want to write the same record over and over. I didn't want to hear Justice for All 2. Right. Or Black Album 2. Right. But I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even now, or not now, but even I see, like, the drastic, like, oh, damn. Had I been, like, you know, grew up in the 70s and then went through Metallica in the 80s and then they did that, I'd be pissed, too. Yeah. Looking back now, uh I'm a more I'm I'm a bigger fan of those two records than I've ever been now, because they did have some great songs. They they had some stinkers, man. Like oh yeah, towards the end of the album. Like uh, I remember I listened to Hero of the Day. We're old to fall. I never liked that song. Older. Like that was written for radio. Yeah, still don't like that song. My Metallica said, "Screw radio." We didn't <laughs> even we didn't even make a freaking video until we were already selling out arenas. Yeah. Metallica could have never made a video and still have been famous. Well, I'd said, like, if Cliff was alive, still alive, Load and Reload never would have happened. And maybe even the Black Album wouldn't have happened. I think the Black Album would have happened, but not the exact way it turned out. <laughs> it would have sounded like the Black Album mixed with Justice for All. Right. I think Cliff would have, even though he was dead when Justice for All happened, I think he would have highly approved Right, and I think he—I think he would have been okay with the Black Album. I don't know, but yeah, like looking back, there's a lot of great songs. Uh, Outlaw Torn mm. is one of my all-time favorite Metallica songs. I mean, even the Unforgivens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one was good. Oh, uh, you know, I made you that that Unforgiven mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could go on and on. There's there's a lot of great songs. If if I had to rewrite history, 
if I was the master of all time and space, and it's probably a good thing I'm not, <laughs> those would have been those two albums would have been one album. Right. Yep. Like you said, you had the ultimate load. Yep. I think the album would have been called Ultimate Load. It, it would have started out with like, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that outside desire, like King Nothing. Yep. Like All those bangers. The, the badass songs. We 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 could have trimmed a lot of fat out of those two records. Yeah, because like King Nothing was awesome. Yep. Um, and like Outlaw Torn to me that was like a. If you listen to that, to me that's like a, a modern day like masterpiece because of the hills and valleys that song takes you on, and then when oh, it yeah. finally hits the chorus, because it goes through like two verses and then hits the chorus. And it's very seldom you listen to like a seven or eight minute song and go, damn, is it already over? Yeah. Yep. And that's one of them. Yeah. And Metallica is notorious for that because like you said, they take you on a journey. Like you start here, you end here and you go through a lot of things along the way way, and you don't, you don't follow the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, final chorus. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and a lot, a lot of bands do that. We do that a lot, but every now and then. You got to mix it up a little bit, and they they weren't scared to do that in the beginning. And even when they quote unquote sold out, they still did it a little bit. So there was still a lot of Metallica in that. Looking back, and but the, it was just such a shock, yeah, for it to change that much that quick. That I was like, "Where's my Metallica?" Right. <laughs> and also, too, it's the, to me. It, like uh, the black album stands on its own as far as its sound quality and all that, yeah. but the load and reload to me had like the best sound of the drums, the bass, like every instrument could be heard. The vocal takes were great, or the 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 sound quality of the vocals, like everything's crisp, clear. Like if you dive into like those things of of those albums, I would agree with that, except for. Like, I love the vocal effects they had on James' voice in the Black Album and every other album leading up to the Black Album. It was a little dry on Load and Reload. There's still, like, some of that classic delay that makes James' voice sound sound cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as far as the layering, I could hear every instrument. I could even hear the bass, <laughs> which that's missing from a lot of, as a lot of Metallica fans know. I, I couldn't hear the bass on a lot of the older records. I could hear everything. And then <laughs> then St. Anger happened. Yeah. Are we ready for that yet? Oh, we can we can <laughs> <laughs> We can step into the deep. I mean, we can say more about load and reload if you want. Because St. Anger's got a lot of that's a tough one because there's so many things I like about it and so many things I don't. Right. Matter of fact, right now Metallica has, has like re got the re one or bald or however it works, their rights to all their songs. Mm-hmm. And they're going back and re-releasing and remastering all the albums. And they've made it up to, they're about ready to redo Black Album soon. Oh, wow. That should be cut because it just did justice. Yeah. You know, me and you've got it. Right. And that record I bought, the vinyl, is the remastered. I'm interested to see what they do as far as remastering St. Anger. 
Because there's a lot of production issues there. I feel like if <laughs> if they hadn't changed it since then, I doubt that they would even then. Just to be like, because so many people were against it. They're like, no, we were right with what we did, or you know. Plus, also like you know, there was no solos, and then they. What was it with that? They even recorded. But why do you why do you think they didn't play solos? You had literally Guitar Hero's number one yeah, guitar like, player in the world, like four or five years straight. You're not going to let him play a solo. That's what Kerry King said. I was like, "How do you have today's greatest league guitar player and you don't let him play on the record?" Yeah, say what you want about Kirk Hammond. He is a freaking shredder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On his worst day, he is a phenomenal shredder, and you just have him back in the rhythm. I don't know if it was Lars or James; they were just too much caught in, caught up with what was going on is at the time. Money? Do they have to pay him extra for solo? Like, I, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know. Like, do you get like royalties from your solos? Because if you watched some kind of monster, it was almost like they didn't want him to play the same old thing. Like, if they were. If James and, and Lars were doing this different stuff, then Kurt needed to do something different than traditional solos. But then Kurt was saying, also, he wasn't interested in uh, traditional solos. And if we don't put solos on this, then that ties us to what's going on in uh, uh, a fad in music of what's going on at that time. Exactly. That's the problem. I love new metal. I love it. And I also like, you know, classical heavy metal and yeah. <laughs> even some what you would call probably hair metal. Metallica was a band that played solos. And then when it comes to St. Anger, all of a sudden they weren't. Why? Not even one? What if they said, let's play less solos? Okay, that's trying to change it a little, but it was just weird that there were no solos on that album at all. It was weird. And... It was, you know, it made it even worse because it was those solos, but then some of the songs were eight minutes long. Like, get out of here. That was like my biggest problem. You could have summed those songs up in less than five minutes. Yeah. They just dragged it like they play like the song once and then they did a little thing in the middle and then played the song again. You know, I'll say this. St. Anger pissed me off worse than Load and Reload because I cared about St. Anger. Yeah. At the time, I didn't care much for Load and Reload, but I liked St. Anger. I liked it enough that it pissed me off that they messed it up. Right. <laughs> they messed it up with Lars's snare, that pong, pong, yep. pong, pong. What the hell is that? James's dry-ass vocals. You're not in an auction, bro. You're not singing into a flat, like, preacher microphone. You're, You're ma- singing heavy metal music. Everything was dry, not just the vocals. Mm. Everything was thin. I think... I know. I've heard local bands that have released better production quality records than St. Anger. Yeah. But the songs didn't suck. If the songs had sucked, I could have just written written it off as like, it just sucked. I don't care. But I did care because I liked a lot of the songs on there. Dude, the the song St. Anger... Yeah, that's brutal. Right. That yeah. video they were they in Falston Prison when they played that San Quentin. San Quentin, that's right. I was thinking Johnny Cash, <laughs> dude. That video and that song got me excited. Yep. 
And I heard the rest of that album. I was like, what is that? Ping pong. <laughs> like, is he beating on like sheets of metal with a ball peen hammer? Right. Or is like, he playing drums? Like, um, and uh, like I was talking about how long those songs were. Like, look at this. Saint Anger is on the album version is seven minutes and twenty one seconds. With no solo. No solo. Some kind of monster, eight minutes and twenty five seconds. Invisible Kid, which I f-ing love that song. Eight minutes and thirty seconds. Shoot me again, another favorite. Seven minutes. See, every song you're naming off I liked. Yeah. The unknown feeling, which was killer, it was dark, it was mean. Seven minutes. And then the last song, All Within My Hands, which is just like, you know, an all-out war in that song to me. It, it kind of reminds me, the way that song's written reminds me of like early Machine Head, like the, the Burn My Eyes album. Oh, I can see that. Or uh, uh, The More Things Change. That yeah. song was the longest song on there, eight minutes and 45 seconds. No solo. No solo. <laughs> see, if you'd have trimmed the fat down yeah. and added solos and made it eight minutes, that would have been good. Right. Like, there's so many minor tweaks you could have made to under that album. It would have yep. been the next Black album. And I thought about this, too. Um, you know, if you bought the CD, it came with a DVD of them playing the songs in their, you know, their rehearsal space. That sounded better. It would have been more brilliant to be like, all right, we got a new album, but the audio from that will be the record. Because what they were going for was what they said they were going for. Making a session record. Yeah. Like, they were saying that they wanted to sound like some guys got together in a room and just, you know, banged out these songs. Well, just use the live recordings from that DVD that was in there. And then say, like, oh, here's the new Metallica album. And then just left it like that. Yeah, because all those songs that I've heard live, other than the lack of solos, I really don't have much, much complaint. Yeah. It's just the production quality was so poor. Yeah. And it was done by... Uh, Bob Rick, Rock. Uh, oh, no, no, that's right. That yeah. wasn't Rick Rubin. That was Bob Rock's last album with them. Yep. And he's such a good producer. How do you go from the Black Album, that sound, that, qual- that, sound, that quality, to that? Well, that, uh, well, obviously, that was you know done on purpose. But just to be like... I, I, you know all the people that hang around Metallica and all that stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of like yes, you know, yes men or whatever. But like somebody had to be like, hey, <laughs> come on, guys. I don't know, man. I'm I'm not. I don't have all the answers. Like, if you go back and listen to episode 105, we, me and you were talking about like engineering and stuff, and like that's beyond my like frequencies and stuff. Like I don't know that all that, but I know what sounds good and I know what sounds bad. <laughs> You and know, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. Do not do that anymore. No. Bad Metallica. And like I said, if the songs weren't so good, I wouldn't be so pissed. I know. Like Visible Kid, like that. I don't know what tuning they're in. I think he even used a seven string on that. That was, was the just first mean. time I believe Metallica experimented with different tuning. Yeah. That tuning down that low. And James Hetfield playing that low sounds nasty. Yeah. Did you I think I sent you a, a link to it or you sent it to me? Of this band that just completely redid the whole album yeah. the way it quote unquote should have been. Yep. And it sounded so good. Yeah. Even the guy that's, you know, pretending to be James. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that's you can a, tell it's that's, not James. That's my James. Like, yeah, but like he's singing it so good. <laughs> like that's what I wanted. And you came so close to giving it to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why, here's a good segue. 
I think a lot of people are confused by death magnetic, but I made I made the call from the beginning. The first time I heard Death Magnetic all the way through, I said, this is the album that gets me excited about the next album because it's a stepping stone to like, I'm finally hearing what I should have heard from Metallica three albums ago. Right. Kurt Hammett was let off the leash on <laughs> Death Magnetic. He was ripping solos out of his butt left and right. <laughs> uh, the uh, songs were long, but they had solos. You didn't. They they didn't feel long, right? Exactly. It's a very underrated album, and I think one of the reasons it might be underrated is because people had a bad taste in their mouth for Metallica because of the load reload Saint Anger situation. They were just like done, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to listen to Death Magnetic. Right. It is an important Metallica album. It's very important. Like the way they started off that album with "That Was Just Your Life," like yes. that's in my top. Th- as hard as it is to have a top three list of Metallica songs, that's in it. Yeah. Like the, the, the crazy riff in that, the solo in that, like. Have you got all the songs written down that's on that album? No, just. Um, Let's pull that up because. Just four of them that I was gonna go over for sure. We'll go over them. Go ahead. Um, the day that never comes. Dude. For me, that was like something from "Injustice for All." That yes, if if the day that never comes had been on Justin for all, it yeah. would fit perfectly, and yep. that that goes back to my point. That's now I'm seeing Mama Tyler. Right <laughs> now I'm there. You are. There's my buddy. <laughs> and then like uh, all nightmare long. Yes. For me, if if the day, um, the day that never comes, if that was fade to black. The nightmare is creeping death Ooh. on Death Magnetic. Okay, I'm with you. I like that. And then, of course, Unforgiven Three. Like, man, just, I love song sequels. Yeah, and to have a third one, like, how hard is that to pull off? I love song sequels. Uh, Alice Cooper does it, and he's like, you know, one of my all-time favorites. Don't do it just to be doing it. But sometimes in a four-minute song, there's maybe more story to tell. Right. Don't do it just to be doing it. But if you're not done with that story, I mean, Kill J has two sequel songs. Yep. Uh, Wish Me Dead and Dead Again. Well, The Nothing the and nothing Into and nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There was more of that story to be told. So it needed to be. I mean, songs are only three or four minutes long. And... You can only take so many bites out of an apple till it's played out. I thought the the Unforgiven thing was done, so I was like, Unforgiven three, really? Are you yeah. Going back to the well again, <laughs> but it worked. Like, and also like, there's a totally different take on everything. As both of us who write music, I don't know if I could write a sequel in music and make it similar enough for you to be like, oh yeah, that's kind of like the first one, or the you know the last one, but this is part two. Yeah, like that's so hard to do to make it familiar, but not repeat it. And lyrically, okay, I dub the unforgiven. You're the unforgiven, and unforgiven too. Now you're unforgiven too. You were also unforgiven, 
And then on Unforgiven 3, now it's me I can't forgive. Yeah. It's like a twist. I'm the Unforgiven now. Right. You were the Unforgiven, and then you were the Unforgiven also, like someone else. Yeah. And then now I'm the Unforgiven, because I can't forgive myself. Bro. Like. <laughs> James has still got it. Like, I was so proud of him. Oh, uh, and what was that song? Oh, there was another one. And that Unforgiven 3 started out with that piano piece. Yep. Oh my God! And it came in with a riff that was similar to Unforgiven Two, but not the not same. Not exactly. It was like yeah. a different angle. Yep. And James said in an interview he had to really lobby hard to get that on the record. Wow! Like I think there was other. I don't know if it was other people in the band or management or whoever was involved in yeah decision making, but he had to really push for that to be on the album. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you won that fight. <laughs> yeah. That was great. And it was heavy. It was heavy Metallica. There was not like a radio, quote unquote, radio song. I think Cyanide was the hit. And then that wasn't even near my favorite. Yeah. That, it was like. I didn't think much of that one. No, it was an okay song. Because like for me, the day that never can't comes and all nightmare long were like the bangers. Like the. Yeah. And here, here's the thing, and I hate to say this, but if you've got a ten song album, this day and age, if you if you got like four or five good songs, oh yeah, and you know the rest of them are okay, you you hit a home run. I mean, you can't write. It, it's hard to put lightning in a bottle like they did with Master of Puppets. Yeah, you can't just keep doing that all the time. And also, too, it's like they didn't know that when they were making it. Mm-mm. But then later in your career, when you look back on your on all the things you've done, it's like, oh, now you start applying that. Like, oh, yeah, we just got to do it like that. You know, and you can't. You never will. As we go into the next album, I've always loved saying I told you so. <laughs> I don't know why people go, I hate to say I told you so. Yeah. I'm like, I love loved it. <laughs> and I said... I said from the beginning, I've got witnesses. Ask Chris Long if I didn't say it. Me and him talked about it. Me and uh, Jameson Yeager talked about it. I said, this album, talking about Death Magnetic, has got me excited for the next one because this is the stepping stone to get Metallica exactly where Metallica needs to be doing what they do best. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we got hardwired to self-destruct, which was... A home run through and through. Am I lying? No. You are not, Sarah. <laughs> you I'm are not. truth. Hardwired to self-destruct. Let's go. Give me the rundown. For me, Hardwire, the song itself, was like a modern-day battery or blackened. Ooh, yes. You think of that. And I then, think that's that's a very accurate analogy. And then uh, Halo on Fire. Brings back to me, Halo on Fire brings back memories of uh, like the Black Album, as far as like you know, some of the deeper cut songs on there, yep, like Holier Than Thou, or or uh, um, I don't know, not My Friend of Misery, but some other like heavy, like in your face kind of song, like that, abrasive, yeah. Uh, here comes Revenge, you know, that was an interesting song for me because. It didn't hit me right right off. 
it had to grow on me, but mm-hmm. the ones that grow on you are the ones you like the most. Yeah, see, like... Um, like Moth into the Flame. The yeah. first time I heard that song, I was like, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good jam. But like the further out I got from listening to the record, the more I was like, yeah, that's a good jam. Yeah. And when I saw him do it live, and I got to admit that performance I did with Lady Gaga was pretty awesome. Yep. Um, like when Death Magnetic came out, the only thing that upset me about that was the sound quality. Um, it wasn't perfect. Like, no, it wasn't. Like you're Metallica. You know what I'm saying? Your and it's di- to sound perfect. And that di- you could record, you could literally record anywhere you want. Any way you want. And yeah, anyway, anywhere. And at the same time, you know, I'm a big Slayer fan. So compared to, you know, um, World Painted Blood and, you know, of course, yeah, Death Magnetic. Yeah, World Painted Blood came out before Death Magnetic. So I was like, this is awesome, but it's like, what the heck? And, you know, and it kind of went back to, you know, Justice for All, where it was like, oh, well, it's James and Lars mixing the record. But uh, not all the way, because they have, um, I think his name Andy Sneep, I think is the guy they got from Rick Rubin. Because Rick Rubin, all he does is sign on to the project. You give him a crap load of money, and then he comes in every now and then. His interns do all the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh that was my only complaint and then you know it kind of like bled into hardwire self-destruct a little bit because you have that and then slayer released their last record which you know just you put that in a sound system and it's just a wall of sound wall of guitars everything and it's like why is that like it's slayer slayer does slayer's very successful but they don't have metallica money not quite this is I was looking up the lyrics because I was trying to remember those lyrics that like just really got me on here, and it was from the song Atlas Rise, and it's talking about Atlas, you know, the the god that held up the world. Yeah. Die as you suffer in vain, all own all the grief and the pain. Die as you hold up the skies, Atlas Rise. How does it feel on your own, bound by the world all alone, crushed under heavy skies, Atlas Rise? Dude. He still got it. Yeah, yeah that's straight My up. Boy can still write. <laughs> that's straight up. He don't like... have to, that ain't hero of the day. <laughs> that James don't know that James. Yeah, yeah. You know but, what I'm saying? Because that's straight up from like like you're reading something off of Injustice Absolutely. for All. That's my Metallica. <laughs> They're back. And and dude, this late in their career. What year was? What year did that come out? 2016. Hardwire. Ooh, I don't even say yeah. Wow. Nominations Grammy Award for Best Rock Song. Also on uh, Hardwire, Murder One, I think it's Murder mm-hmm. One. That song to me was push new brown, uh, broke new ground for them. If you sit there and listen to it, because I don't think they've ever had a song like that. So if you're Listening, you need to check that out. Well, I know I say this a lot, but it's it's a very fine line to walk as a musician. You don't want to write the same record, but you and you need to progress, but you always need to be you. Yep. And sometimes bands bands lose so much sight of who they are and what they are that they 
they they lose their sound. They're not them anymore. They're something else. Mudvayne. Yeah, I mean, we could name a lot of bands like that. Those last two records from Mudvayne, it's like, who is this? And it's not even, you know, a lot of people blame lineup changes, and that has a lot to do with it. But you need to stay true to what you are while still evolving. It's it's it's, it's a tough road. Also, like, hardwired to me, like, looking at it in my notes here, like, it's all over the place as far as, like, in the past, too. There's some mm-hmm. stuff from Injustice or even before. There's some stuff from, like, the, the uh, Black Album or even a little bit of Load in there. And then you have something like Murder One, which is, to me, is, like, way different than anything they've done. We need to... Now that we've done all the studio albums, we need to real quick do honorable mentions. What year did Metallica S and M come out? Ninety nine. Nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> we got some child alert else. <laughs> yep. And that was that was the biggest thing for me. That album there to me, James. To for me, that's the most perfect James ever sound recorded. And it was live. Yeah. So there was no studio magic. And I did some quotes happening. Um, <laughs> and also the the orchestra. I love the story behind it. Yeah. Because what year did they record? Nothing else matters. Like ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Ninety. Right. And they got the San. What? How do you say it? San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, something like that. How do you say that? I don't want to mess that up. San Francisco Symphony. Yeah. Yeah. They got them to come in on Nothing Else Matters and do like. Just a little orchestra bit. Orchestra stuff in the back. And and the conductor said, like, what we did, not much of it wound up on the album, which I I see, but I, I could hear it. Like, and, and Lars famously said there's a version of that song that's just mostly orchestra. Yeah. Like James and one guitar. Right. So that'd be interesting to hear. But It's called, like, the elevator version or something. Yeah. <clears throat> but Metallica told the conductor guy like we want to do a whole album with an orchestra and he said all right let's do it and they're like all right we'll be in touch and he <laughs> forgot about it yeah whole- <laughs> that was 1989 and then in 1998 i guess yeah <laughs> he got a call from one of metallica's Metallica's boy. Metallica boy. <laughs> One of Metallica's like ages is like, all right, they're ready. They'll do that album you wanted to They'll do. They'll do that album. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. That was 10 years ago. It's like, well, they're ready. <laughs> I guess it was like me and you were finally doing part two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and all it took was Anthony messaging me about our podcast. Yeah. It's funny how that works. But. Yeah, S&M was a, and they even had original songs on there. No Leaf Clover is on my Mount Rushmore of Metallica songs. And what was the other one? Uh, Minus Human. Minus Human. Which is just mean. Yeah. And that's exclusive. And then uh, what year did Garage Inc. come out? The original or the? No Garage Inc. Oh, 98? Like the... Damn, you are a Metallica nerd. nerd. I, I was a Metallica nerd. Fucking nerd. Man. 
Yeah, I was obsessed. I was at an airport. I'm 90% sure it was Dallas-Fort Worth. And I was fixing to get on a plane, and they had like a little CD shop there. Like a little small CD shop in the airport. And I was just walking around looking, and I see this... And I think I know everything about Metallica. Right. And I see this album that's got like, they're standing outside of a garage with oil on their face and they're like hanging out and all serious and it's called Garage. And I'm like, what is this? Right. And I flip it over and I'm like, I see, I looked at CD2 first. Yeah. Because I was like, what is this Garage Days re, 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 revisit? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I've heard these songs before. Right. And then I saw CD1 and I was like, Whoa, hang on. I know that song. I know that song. I know that. These are cover songs. So they did a cover album and re 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 revisited Garage Days. Is that, that not like, the greatest feeling of finding stuff like that? I was not expecting it. I knew yeah. nothing about it till I walked to that CD store in an airport. I bought it right then. Thank God I had a, a CD Walkman. Right. As you did back then. Right. <laughs> or it, it might have been a laptop with a CD. Either way. Either way. I listened to it. All the way from Dallas Fort Worth to Vegas, and I was like, "Dude, this is awesome." I had the same thing happened to me with the Rammstein album because they had uh, one album come out, but they kind of did like load and reload because they had so many songs. Well, they released a second one a year later, but I didn't know nothing about it, and I just so happened to be at FYE, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that says Rammstein. I don't. I'm not familiar with this." It's almost like you feel like, "Whoa." How was I not notified? Right, yeah. Why didn't my people yeah, know yeah. <laughs> I failed myself. <laughs> I should know this. I guess the only other major honorable would be... I Disappear. I Disappear was a single, and that was a good song. I wish they had done, before St. Anger, they had taken uh, No Leaf Clover, Minus Human, I Disappear, and did a, an album in that vein. Uh, I agree. Before St. Anger. Why don't they ask us? Yeah. We, we're not going to lead them astray. I'm trying to pull up S&M 2. You weren't that... You didn't seem that impressed with S&M 2. No. Except and for I, the certain songs that they hadn't done before. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I think the reason you didn't like S&M 2... Is because I love... Is because they did it right the first time. Yeah. Well, yes. I did the same songs again. Yes, exactly. From an album standpoint, yes. From a concert standpoint... I watched it the other night. It's killer. But the people that came to the concert want to hear the classics. Yep. But if you're recording an album and you've already got one called S&M... I wish S and M two. Why not? I mean, look at your catalog. Yeah, yeah. You could have done a different album. Also, too, like I loved how they played S and M two. Like the concert, the way everything was set up, and I almost want that to be where they did the for for the concert of the first one because it was more entertaining. Like uh, the way they had the the orchestra set out, and then the crazy uh, like can't, I don't know what the heck they had above them, but. Um, that was way cooler than, you know, the amphitheater or whatever the hell they were in, in S&M, where it was just like the band and then, and that was it. It was like nothing really. But one thing I love about that and Metallica, like, I hate to even mention that Lulu thing they did because it. Uh, oh, dude, I totally forgot about that I until you like brought it, it up. <laughs> but the, what I do like about it 
is that Metallica is at the point in their career they have nothing left to prove. Yep. And they can be like, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's go to Antarctica and play a gig. Yeah. You know what would be cool? Let's call up Lou Reed and do a record with him. Yeah. Let's do S&M too. Because that's what we want to do. Because that's what we feel like doing. And we've done everything there is to do. Let's keep ourselves interested. Instead of going out every night and playing the same old songs, the same old way, let's mix it up. Like uh, when they did that 30th anniversary thing. Man. Why did they not do a DVD of that? Yeah, that's stupid. I can't even I can't even start with like all the guest appearances they had. And all that's the almost like a big did. regret in my life was like being too young. Or, or well, I wasn't too young, but it was like I didn't grasp like oh that's a once in a lifetime event like I should have whatever to to fly out there and see that. What you can do is that Metallica Vault stuff. They put like almost all their concerts on their website, and they're not free, but they're not that expensive either. You can either download them digitally or get the physical CD. Oh, it'd be worth it. Whatever you can get the thirtieth. The thirtieth anniversary. Okay, it's three CDs because it's three concerts. Yeah, sold. Like, I've bought both concerts I've been to on physical CD because I just think it's neat to like. Yeah. Because I like when I put in, I went to Louisville and saw. Did I say Louisville or Louisville? They you you said Louisville. <laughs> Louisville, baby. Yeah, I hate it when you do that. <laughs> I went to Louisville and saw Metallica at the Yum Yum Center. I'm not lying. Wow. <laughs> and I was there, and I remember exactly how it sounded and how the set went. And every time I put that CD in and I listen to it, I feel like I'm there again. Yeah. So that that's really cool that they do that. And I think if you buy the ticket, you get your concert for free. Yeah, yeah. There's like some the, download thing with it. But the other concerts aren't free, but they're not that expensive. Like they're they're worth it. And I've I've bought a couple. Like I had watched so much Metallica stuff. I bought all their DVDs, all that stuff. In my head, I was like, "Well, I don't need to go see Metallica." Shit. And then I went and saw them in Atlanta, playing at the Atlanta Braves uh, stadium, which is hilarious because they hadn't Atlanta Braves hadn't even sold that place out, and Metallica sold it out. And dude, when Lars like first hit the kick drum, it punched you right in the face. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, it is a whole other ball game. Episode Whether- 105 is is part one of what we're doing now. Well, if you're a Metallica fan and listen to this, go to episode 110, and it's me and you talking about the two Metallica concerts that we went to. That oh day. wow! Because you went to that one, I completely and, forgot about that. And I went to this one, the one at the Yum Yum Center. Yeah, and we talk about. Like all of that. Yeah, that's nuts. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Of course, that was like two years ago. <laughs> so if you're a fan of Metallica, listen to episode 105, 110, whatever this one is, and all the other ones. Also, uh, to go back, uh, I wanted to highlight some things from Load and Reload. Go for that it. Are, that are near and dear to me. Like uh, Thorn Within. Like the, those are just mean ass riffs in that song, and uh, even like in the verses, like I loved like I've always been a fan of like dark creepy stuff, so like um, house that Jack built. Oh yeah, that's yeah. straight Alice in yeah. Chains. Yeah, you know, um, that's a good one. 
uh, Cure. That was a cool vo- uh, vocal thing to hear James do that. Like, he doesn't sing like that. So that was, like, you know, different for him. Or Wasting My Hate is just, like, a, like almost like a punk song, even though it's, with like, with rock riffs. And what good lyrics. I don't want to waste my hate on you. Yeah. So I'll keep it. such a powerful emotion. Yeah, so I'll keep Why, it for don't myself. Just, don't just waste it. Yeah. Keep, keep it for yourself. And I love the way they start off low, too, with that song, Ain't My Bitch. Mm. Like, that's kicking in the door, like, you know. As far as like a rock song, you want to? Didn't want, didn't the other one start off with fuel? Yeah, fuel. Yeah. Oh, okay, so they. So that's the same. Yeah. You know. They're the, well, they're like the same record. Yep. But not in a bad way. Right, and then on the second reload has even more like creepy dark stuff that I love, like Slither, which is um, like James talks in this very mon- like deep voice, but then he's like singing over the top of it too. So it's like two different people, almost uh, like his. Split yeah, like a split personality thing going on. Chuckle and Hodge. Yeah. And then um, Where the Wild Things Are. It's like uh, if they would have made a video for that song, it would be like on an acid trip. If you follow along with the words and everything. with that's with Because um, it's another like hills and valleys with that. And uh, what else we got here? I've never been a fan of Memory Remains, so I'm shocked that that song was as big as it was. Okay. I was not a fan of Memory Remains until I saw them live. Okay. Go watch Quebec Magnetic Mm -hmm. and watch them play Memory Remains. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad I went back over this because I... Because that weird, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even as a kid, even as a kid, I was like, like, is that a goat? But yeah. (laughs) On the album, yes. But hearing Kurt play it, yeah, oh yeah, that sounded way like, better. It sounded way better. Because I was just, I didn't. That I did, song was made for live. Yeah, because I never got it as a kid, and I still have the same feeling as I did, you know, t- whatever, twenty as years ago. As soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm gonna play you a version <laughs> of the Memory Remains that'll make you love that song. Because that's kind of like, um, like I'm a huge Slipknot fan, and I never really cared, for, didn't hate it, but didn't you know care either for duality. Because it had like you know it had some cool riffs and stuff like yeah. that, whatever. But it was until I saw Slipknot live, like I got it. You know what when the, the crowd the hit performance of Duality got me. Believe it or not, because normally these talk show. Uh, oh yeah. Suck. Right. Watch do Slipknot play Duality on the late night show. Okay. I think it's Conan O'Brien. Yeah, I haven't seen that or one. Whoever hosting it at the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good. Because, like, they went into it when I was at the concert. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. But then the whole crowd sings that chorus, and you're like, you can't help but to be, like, lifted by it. Well, going back to Metallica, when they do the Memory Remains, on the album, it's like, fortune, fame, mirror, vein, gone insane, but the memory remains. But when he does it live, it's like, fortune, fame, oh, mirror, yeah. vein, gone insane, but the... And he and stops, the crowd. and the crowd goes, "Memory remains." And yeah. Goes, oh yeah. Yeah. Horns up. It's like all energy metal. Right. Yeah. It's like the devil can't even handle. It. He's like, "I'm out, I'm leaving. You can have hell." It even uh, uh, on load. Mama said, "No, that's a song. I figure people would fucking hate." Yeah. But it's 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 a weird one because it's like they're. 
it keeps going between like, oh, this is Metallica, but then they have like the the country like slide stuff in it, like the country slide guitar stuff in it, and that's not the only song they did. That and uh, well, the, uh, that one in particular, for me, it was like James. I guess I don't know. I could tell like James like really meant what he was saying in that one. What's that song? Lay beside me. Yeah. Tell me what I've done. Is that it? Oh now no. Now I see your son. Now I see your son. Now I see him. No. What I felt. What that, that's I, unforgiven. That's unforgiven song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's slide guitar in that. Right, right, right. When you said slide guitar. Yeah, I know. It went straight to that. Yeah, they put my brain in that space. I d- we'll play Mama Said and I'll, I'll get your reaction from that. Yeah, let's do that. I gotta piss. Let me go piss and then we'll wrap this up. We're in an hour. We're over an hour. Hour and a foe. When did the podcast? Hour and a five. Woo! Took us, a, took us three years. We're gonna take a piss and then we're gonna finish this up. We want some reactions from the listeners too. About your favorite Metallica stuff. Also, right quick. Uh, all within my hands, acoustic killer. I'm glad they brought that back. Uh, is that what they did on that? Uh, all within my hands, like uh, uh, benefit they yep. do every year. Yep. Yeah. That was the last song. Stuff. That was the last song on Saint Anger. They do some interesting stuff on there. When I was at your house last week, you were telling me about a specific Metallica concert that I needed to check out, and I want you to remind me. Because you played part of it for me while I was there. Yeah, it's uh, June 6, 2006, the 20th anniversary of Master of Puppets concert. Okay. And I oh, I ripped, well, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Oh, well. I ripped the audio from it. <laughs> and I made, you're yeah, master. right. And uh, I made you a mix CD of it. You did? Yeah. Did you give it to me? I haven't, br- I haven't brought it yet. Oh, okay. I was, I was nervous for a second. I was like, shit, did I lose it? No. Um, and mine is like, I've got two of them, like my go-to. Yeah. If I've got like, got a good buzz and I just want to see a good Metallica concert, I'll go to that rock AM ring from, it was the, it was, it's, I think it's when they did the big four. Yeah. Metallica was the headliner. That's such a good concert. And the one they did at that castle the the same weird place that Rammstein played. Oh yeah, um, it looks like the Roman Stadium or something. Yeah, what is that place? I think it's in France. Either way, and uh, Niles or something. Niles. The yeah. one, of course, the obvious one. They don't have the whole concert, but is the uh, the one they did in Russia? Oh yeah, where they yeah right after the Iron Curtain fell. And they did this big Monsters of Rock thing. People being murdered. And they played in front of, was it, what, 500,000 people? Yeah. Like half yeah. a million people were there. Unbelievable. And the Russian military is the security. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, half of them were, like, mad and beating people. And the other half were, like, getting into it and rocking out. Yeah. And there was, like, drone footage. But they didn't have drones at that time. It was helicopters flying all around filming this. This huge spectacle. I always loved uh, Cunning Stunts, that that live show. But that's mostly like, you know, load and reload songs, though. I have a question for you. 
Right. Take your time answering that because it's a tough one. <laughs> if you had a if you had a time machine, my time machine. All right. Because this time machine can only <laughs> take you to Metallica concerts. Nothing else. You can't go kill Hitler, unfortunately. Right. But you can go to any Metallica concert, any from any like era, any year, any album cycle. Where would you go? It either had to be somewhere on the Black Album Tour or in Justice for All Tour. I co-signed to that. And <clears throat> I kick myself in the ass all the time because I had the opportunity to go see Metallica on the Black Album Tour at the Pyramid in Memphis. I just had Big Germ tell me that whole story of when he went and saw Metallica on the Black Album Tour yeah. the other day. Like I made him tell me. I didn't see Metallica until the Hardwired. No, not Hardwired. Death Magnetic Tour. And then I saw him again during the Hardwired. Yeah, mine was on the Hardwired. And I was like, I God. I was supposed to go see him on the Black Album Tour. And I had a spot. And I think we had a gig or so, I don't, something came up. And my dumbass at the time was like, because at the time, Metallica would come to Memphis every year. Wow. On their tour. I was like, I'll catch them next time. Yeah. <laughs> Little did I know. Right. So, yeah. That was a, that's probably one of my biggest regrets. I, I would, I would definitely probably go see them. I'd like to see them with Cliff too, though. Yeah. Hopefully my Metallica, what I call it? Uh, my time, my time. Hopefully, my time machine has. <laughs> it's more like the Bill and Ted's phone booth. Kind of just. I think the more than once. I think Cliff Burton concert comes with each my time time machine. You get one. Yeah, you get one, and then you get one more. Which, uh, again, when I was watching that Kurt Hammett uh, interview, and they were talking about Kurt, uh, Cliff dying. They said that their best concert with him was the last one he had, or Kurt's, Kurt's best concert with Cliff was the last one they had, the night you know before he died. Is there any footage of that at all? I don't know. I don't think so. Because uh, James had broke his hand, and so it was his first show back on guitar. Oh. And so it, they were saying like it felt like all right, we're back in business. And then Cliff, you know, they had that accident that night because James had been out for I don't know few weeks or, or two months or I, I can't remember what it was but they had that same guy that filled in for him when he got burnt the guitar tech that's an unsung hero right there yeah we should get him on the podcast yeah no kid where's he at because <laughs> james seems so awkward about a guitar him have walking. you ever watched that footage of him singing for queen no he i haven't the mic up like this well he did that when he doesn't know what to do yeah, yeah. like i've I've normally got a guitar in my hand he did that same thing when he got burned and like they were showing footage of him on the black albums were doing that that yeah, arm he thing <laughs> like he sticks his elbow straight up in the air like he's lemmy yeah <laughs> like the singing. mic's up here yeah <laughs> it's like dude you can hold the microphone down here or it is funny here. seeing him like in those tight black jeans or whatever he was wearing and he's like strutting around on stage with his arm out like that <laughs> You get uh -oh. used to it. You get used to your thing. You know. You get your comfort zone. Then you have an air, an, an injury. And you feel naked. I bet he felt so naked on stage, just like oh, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Originally, he wasn't going to be the singer, though. Wow. You know. Who was going to sing? 
I'm probably gonna get. Did murdered. they have a scene? I'm probably gonna get murdered by Metallica fans here, but I, I think. Was that wrong guy? No. No. It wasn't a company. It was. I think Dave Mustaine was gonna sing originally. Oh wow. I can't remember. I'll have to look that up. I yeah. gotta fact check myself on that. We're murdered. But James wasn't. He didn't want to be the lead singer. That wasn't his thing. But I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Yeah. No kidding. All right, so what's our takeaway from this? Metallica rules? Always. Still does. They're working on a new album right now. Yeah, I was going to say this earlier, you know, when you were talking about they used to put an album out, you know, every year and stuff. I feel like it would almost hurt Metallica if they did that. Like every two years, you know, if they didn't take five years. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a pro and a con there, I think. Yeah. If you... Only releasing an album every five years, if you le- release one that sucks, Ooh. it's going to take you another five years to redeem yourself. <laughs> well, St. Anger was in 2003, and then Death Magnetic was '09 or something. And Hardwired was what? 16. They're about due. Yeah. <laughs> They're due. A little overdue. But then again, like I said... What do you got to prove? That's the thing, too. It's like you wouldn't want them to rush it. Yeah. Back when they were in that garage and they were hungry because they didn't have enough money for food and they were playing shitty guitars and they barely had enough money to buy beer to get a buzz with, they were writing killer riffs. But when you pull up to the studio in a 17-mile-long stretch gold-plated Ferrari... (laughs) And you're in like the hot tub in the back. In the back, yeah. And you get out and you're like, all right, let's write some depressing metal songs. Right, yeah, yeah. God, life sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so pissed. What are all these beautiful women doing around me? Go away, I'm mad. It was like James on the Black Tour saying like he had like six women washing him down after every show. It's like, yeah, this doesn't suck. (laughs) That's why I wrote Load. (laughs) he was the hero of the day (laughs) oh man alright well we finally finished part two of our Metallica podcast our Metallicast Um, hopefully Metallica released enough albums for us to do a part three what other band do y'all want to hear us do a podcast on you want to do a Rammstein podcast you want to do a Corncast Corncast, Slipknot cast, Slipcast. Slip <laughs> well, we could do a Slipcast. Yeah, I was gonna think like we could it, do a whole series. Like Slip Slipknot would be good because we both listen to that. I don't I know about do the a Coopercast. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Something like you, what you and I both listen to, but, and then also our age difference with the band too. Because like it'd be like, oh, where were you when that happened? You know. Yeah, one night me and you were out here just hanging out and we were playing like music roulette and it was like, <clears throat> play like some of the songs that shaped you and the musician that you are. And you did the same. Like we, we went back and forth to what made us, not just not just songs we liked, but like made us musicians and and influenced us to be what we are as musicians. And... 
most of the songs and stuff that like I figured you would play, you did, but a couple of them like surprised me, and I think the same for me. Like, oh yeah, like, oh, I didn't think about that. Right. Because you listen to Painkiller now on a regular basis. Yeah, love that song. <laughs> <laughs> Judas Priest. That's one of the most underrated metal bands ever. Also, like. Um, like I always hear you, you know, talk about Ramones and stuff or when, you know, that stuff gets brought up and I've heard some stories when you were younger, like, you know, what, um, what Ramones was to you, I guess, or, or something to like that effect. And I started watching, like, I realized like, oh, I don't know nothing about the Ramones. So I started watching a documentary on them last night. So what's the, I haven't finished it, Oh, okay, <laughs> but I've probably seen it. I like the Ramones a lot. Yeah, like this is right after Joey died, is when they uh, put this together. So all they had was like old, older footage of him, and then like quotes he had said. Yeah. But it's crazy to see how they hated each other when they, yeah. you know, you know, they couldn't even be in the same room. Like the, you know, to be on stage had to have been like awful for all of them. Well, Rob Zombie was a huge Ramones fan, and. <clears throat> He brought them on tour with him, and he was like, "Oh, okay, so it's not just me." Yeah, <laughs> everybody hates each other. Yeah, tour together. <laughs> yeah, if you have the wrong, you know, if you've been together too long or have the wrong lineup, it's a nightmare. But you know what's funny is like when you hear those stories, like you hear a lot of stories about like we're a band of brothers, we love each other, and they make great music. But what's surprising is like when you hear about bands like like every member hates each other but they still somehow pull it off yeah you're like wow how did they pull that tour off or that album off yeah finding out that they hated each other that yep. much like and what's crazy something. when those stories happen and the, depending on like they were making a record those those are usually my favorite record like yeah. cold chambers dark days the singer and the guitar player hated each other. Like there were songs on there that the singer wrote about the guitar player. <laughs> like, like, like all out there. Like I'm not your friend anymore. Like Walker. lyrics. <laughs> yeah. And they had to go play those songs live. <laughs> and we were talking about Motley Crue the other night. They released Shout of the Devil, which is like amazing. And they were all messed up on drugs and alcohol. But then when they released uh, Dr. Feelgood, they were all sober. But that was still, like, one of their best albums. Yeah. Like, probably my two favorite was when they were the most messed up. In the the most, of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, it's weird, like, but it happens. And, like, Korn has been amazing at keeping their drama from the public. Because I've gotten bits and pieces of stories. Yeah. Like, Fieldy was a big bully back in the fall of the leader day with, you know, everyone backstage and stuff like that. And then, um, and then with into fall, fall the leader into issues. Like Jonathan was, was out of control, drunk all the time on fall the leader. So they didn't like hang out with him. And there's just all these different, like monkey was drunk out of his mind during that time, but somehow they've kept it together and, and kept it under wraps too. As far as like, as because I hear from like people that toured with them talking about stories with Corn that like, oh man, they're gonna like Head, you know, did quit the band, but he had tried to quit like four or five times beforehand, and then they were just like, nah, just come back, dude, just come back, it'll be, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, and you never heard about that, dude. 
<laughs> How excited are you for his next Love and Death record? Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. As long as it still has, like, the, the I was afraid there a while back because I heard some snippets of some stuff. And I was like, it's got to have his sound, which is the corn sound. Like, that's got to be there because that's what I loved about the first Love and Death. It was like that Love and Death record was better than the last, like, four corn albums. Was it a whole record or was it EP? <clears throat> it was a full record. Because he had a bronze head. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was the first one of his solo thing. And that's cool, too. Because that has like a bunch of cool corn riffs that, you know, or a bunch of corn. Should have been corn. Yeah, it should have been corn songs. And that album, and then the, the when he changed the name to Love and Death, that's just like, oh, like that song's the, I put that on now, and those songs still sound fresh and new. Like there's nothing tiring or old about that album. And also those two solo albums there were more corn than like the four albums they released without Head being in the band. I thought one of those was an EP, no? Hmm. They were all out, yep. full albums. Yep, full album. And this next one's a full album. Yep. Awesome. Any final words? Listen to Metallica. Yep. All of them. All the albums. I mean, you get bored with that? Listen to Killjoy. <laughs> when you're done, immediately Thank you put Killjoy. Thank you the Real Pop Culture episode. I have no idea. 150 something we've been broadcasting <coughs> we've been broadcasting live from high top the first and only floor of the Killjoy headquarters at the Killjoy ranch love you bye mwah mwah um, nom 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 <laughs>